right. Yo. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Adrian. Hey, this is your man, Lionel. Yo, I'm Justin from Splashtown. <laughs> With the music in the background, too. The cartoon music. But, uh, that's my... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's do it again. Sorry. Go ahead. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Adrian. Hey, this is your man, Lionel. Yo, this is Justin from Splashtown. And this is our point of view. Hey, listen, everybody. We are three brothers from three different backgrounds who have come together to talk about various topics, some controversial. Sometimes we'll talk about things that's happening in popular culture, and sometimes we may just break out in the Bible studies because that's, that's what we do. Hey, man, if y'all want to laugh, if y'all want to have fun, if y'all want to actually get to the depth of some serious conversations, that's all that is here. So we want y'all to stop by, give it a listen, give it a try. Hey, listen, we all know y'all just want to hear my point of view. Forget about the rest. Just listen to the best. <laughs> You're so ignorant. <laughs> That is so stupid. Why are you trying to rhyme? Right. Hey, you said be natural. That was that. Yeah, that was a little natural. <laughs> All right, let's try. Let's do it one more time, and just to have a, a another different take. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. That's hilarious. All right, let's go. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy Adrian. Hey, this is your man Lionel. Hey, this is Justin from Splashtown. And this is our point of view. We are three brothers from three different backgrounds who have come together to discuss and talk about various topics. One day we may talk about some serious conversations. Sometimes we may talk about what's happening in public. Popular, ah, shoot. Ah, shoot. Let's keep going. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Adrian. Hey, this is your man, Lionel. I'm I sorry. I was, I was, I was yawning. <laughs> Let's start over. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy. Hey, this is your man, Lionel. Hey, this is your boy, Justin from Splashtown. And this is our point of view. We're three different brothers from three different backgrounds who come together and talk about various topics. Sometimes we're going to talk about what's happening in popular culture. We may have some serious conversations, or we may just break out into random Bible study because that's just what we do. Hey, you know the conversations you have with your boys just chilling. This is what it is, man. If you want to have fun, if you want to laugh, if you want to cry, if you want to get angry, if you want to understand the depths of a topic, this is where it is, man. Just come take a listen, come chill, and come have a conversation with us. Listen, we all know you guys want us to change this to my point of view. So as a matter of fact, let's just change the show to my point of view instead of our point of view. How about we change it to Simply Unfiltered? That'll work. Let's not and say we did. <laughs> oh man, I think that was good though. I think that's a, I think that's some good ones. I can take that and kind of set them up. Hey, what's going on? This is Lionel Mosby Jr. in with Adrian Woe and Justin Robinson. It is our point of view, and we're excited to have you guys back for another episode. This is going to be a really, really interesting topic but before we get into it let's just let's just check with the compadres you guys how has your week been we, we, we went through 
the Christmas season and everything now kind of had a little break there. How was your time with your family? How was your time kind of off and away? You know, how did you enjoy yourself? I'm, I'm blessed and highly flavored. Highly flavored. Okay. Yep. <laughs> highly flavored. Got you. Yeah, my, I'm super like, this has actually been one of the best um, intros to a, a new year for me, just entering it in. Um, um, just really uh, looking back on how 2020 went and, and kind of just creating new uh, goals for myself for 2021. And uh, it's just been really good. I'm, I'm super pumped, super happy. Only um, one, not even a week yet into it. Um, but um, I'm super excited. Look forward to what's coming up uh, for this year. I'm actually kind of disappointed you right. know, coming into the new year because you know, I hate when people dangle things in front of my face, you know, <laughs> and they pull back. Cause I was really looking forward to that $2,000 stimulus. <laughs> <laughs> like I already had my mind made up of what I was going to use that money for. And and now I got to come up with the money myself. Like that hurt. What was you going to use the money for? <sighs> I can't tell you, but I was going to use the money wisely. Just put it like that. Oh, okay. I got you. So no splurging. You know, I was going to splurge a little bit. <laughs> I'll get you that new car, huh? This is why Mitch McConnell is not going to pass it right here because <laughs> you said you're going to splurge a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Nah, but yeah, man. Uh-huh. I'm just saying you got to treat yourself to a little something. You know, I was going to take $100 and buy some stuff out for Amazon. You know, that's it. Nothing big. I, nothing big. Gotcha. Some, some Amazon packages, nothing big. Yeah, I was going to buy some like $20, $20 headphones or something. You know, probably send myself a gift card just to make myself feel good about myself. Send, your, send, send yourself a gift card. <laughs> just me. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that sending yourself. Send I, I imagine you being that kind of guy. You, you say something to teddy bear too? <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to make yourself feel special. You know, Especially when you got that special someone in your life to do it for you. You know what I mean? Hey, the ladies and gentlemen of the Our Point of View podcast, if you have any eligible candidates, you know, we, you know, we, we're going to just do this. You know, maybe we'll make this a segment. If you guys have any eligible candidates, Christian candidates, right, Justin? Hey, I'm not picky. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you are the most picky guy I've ever met. Don't don't do that. You're just That's not true. He said, "I'm not picky." That's hilarious. Oh man! Listen, hey, listen. Remember this. This is my point of view. So, literally, Justin, we're gonna literally make this a segment. No, this is gonna be a segment. Each podcast. So, if you guys know any um, single ladies out there, so let's 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 go down the list. She, she has to be um, a Christian, right? A firm believer in in God in the Bible. Uh, she has to uh, be a positive uh, person. Wait, wait, wait a minute. When did this become a segment? It just became one. We have it, it, it. It just became one right now. We can't just go off the whim. You know what I mean? And you yeah. know what I mean. I think that people want to hear your point of view of what you would love in a wife. True. You know, I don't know. 
interesting to hear from you, Justin. I don't know if I'm ready to give those details because you guys caught me off guard. Like that wasn't supposed to be the plan or the focus of my point of view on, on the subject. No, uh, we wasn't. We wasn't at, waiting for you to give the details. That's why Adrian was, you know, going ahead and being your spokesperson for you. You know, you know how they send out somebody, right? You remember Eliezer went out, right? You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're doing, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm the attendant, you know what I mean? Asian is like Eliezer, and now we're out, we're at the well, you know what I'm saying? And we're just basically letting all the townspeople know what we're here for. You well, honestly, saying? honestly, if you want to, you know, give you my point of view, you know, on the subject, I don't think I can give a fair assessment of what I want, you know, uh, in a potential candidate until I know the type of man that I want to be right in the future. You know, for that person. All right. Now he's trying. He's he, Ooh, ladies, ladies, ladies. Uh, he's literally, this is him trying to get Bonnie points from y'all. <laughs> hey. Now. Look, but anyway, as we were saying, to our listeners, to our to our faithful subscribers out there, if you have any eligible, you know, friends who will be interested in a young man who loves the Lord. And uh, loves to have fun and enjoy himself, then you know, reach out to us at our podcast, our point of view at our point of view. Dot. It's not a real email address, by the way. You know what I'm saying? You're just gonna have to hit me and Adrian up on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I mean. Hit us up, send us the resume. You feel me? And uh, we'll come on air, read out the resume, and get uh, Justin's uh response, and then we can see if we can set up. You know what I'm saying? A little uh, I guess Zoom meeting because. Because we're in COVID right now. You know? I'm going to ask Justin, does she have to be in Houston? Like I told you before, you know, um, I, I got to figure out, you know, me before I can give, you know, oh. the qualifications of. So let's, let's just say, you know, you already figured out you. And would you be opposed to talking to somebody outside of Houston after you figured you out? Yes, I would be opposed to that. All right, so she so she has to be in Houston, y'all. So you got to be in Houston, Texas. If you're willing to relocate, that may be an option too because Lionel is in real estate and he already got some list of properties that he can hook y'all up with. So and we, we got the team put together. You know what I'm saying? We got the team put together. You know what I'm saying? So we're ready to make this happen. So you guys, this is going to be a, a segment on the show. So if you got any candidates, then send over the resume and uh, we'll keep it going. But let's go into the topic, man, of the day. Uh, Adrian, take it away. So, ladies and gentlemen, we wanted to start off 2021 right. Um, you know, this every year there's uh, a lot of people that put in uh, some New Year's resolution, you know, want to lose some weight or you want to uh, get stop, get up, get rid of some bad habits or you want to, you know, start exercising, change your diet, uh, get a relationship, you know, make more money. There's a lot of things that people usually have as a New Year's resolution. So we want to help you out. We want to help you out become successful. We want to put some 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 things in your head to help you grind. So this next, uh, actually quite a few podcasts, we're going to be talking about finances. We're going to be talking about relationship. We're going to be talking about health. We're going to be talking about uh, even spiritual topics, you know, because maybe your your uh, New Year's resolution or just resolution in life to get closer to God. You may still have some questions. You may have some conflicting ideas, but that's what we're here for. We're here to present to you our point of view. And so today we're going to be talking about a little bit about entrepreneurship, but more specifically, we're going to be talking from the lens of black business owners. 
And so we're going to have a couple of questions that we're going to talk about, um, but we'll get the ball rolling. But we have a real life black business owner in my brother, Lionel Mosby. And uh, so I want to ask a question to you, Lionel. So you've been a, a business owner for how long now? Five years now. Five years. What was what was your motivation in getting into to business owner business ownership? Uh, really, I've always wanted to own a business. Like I remember, and I put this in one of the poems that I had wrote um, because I remember as a little kid, maybe nine or ten years old, riding back in the car with my mom, and I remember sitting down in the car, and I had in like a little notebook, and I was just drawing out different like ideas of different businesses that I wanted to own. You know what I mean? So I have always kind of have this thought process like one day, you know, I would love to be like a, a serial entrepreneur, you know, who who has his hand in different businesses. Right. Um, and I think it's also because my um, my immediate family around me, they all were business owners in, in some form or fashion. Right. Um, my mama obviously had a dentist office that was passed down from my grandfather. Right. Um, you know, and then, you know, other people, my, my aunt was a lawyer who had her own law firm, et cetera. Right. So, you, you know, I, I saw different um, ownership throughout my family um, going back to, you know, even those who had come before me. So that was always something in, in, in front of me that I had a desire to do. That's interesting. So you, you have a lot of family that has um, a wealth of experience in black ownership, business ownership. Um, so that's kind of what you, you, you essentially had this idea since you were, you were a kid, you kind of grew up the understanding of black ownership. What propelled you? Cause I know before five years ago, you were working, uh, for a company. What, what made you, um, decide to take that leap, that jump officially to, to, to go into, um, entrepreneurship? Um, I think what actually kind of got me over the hump was just the realization and cause I worked for the department of agriculture. Um, great people. I mean, I love the people, I had no problem with the people, but the structure of how it was set up and kind of as I looked at the career path forward, it really was, it, it's for somebody who had ambition, it's, it's an ambition killer, you know, and I think many government jobs are similar in the same way, right? Um, you know, it really can provide a lot of, you know, benefits, but it also can kill your ambition, right? You know what I mean? To just, you know, be a desk pusher in a sense, right? And so um, when I realized kind of, man, you know, it's going to be, I don't really see, you know, this money really changing, <laughs> you know? I, I don't see no uh, evidence that uh, this person been here 10 years, that person been 15 years. I can see what they make, right? It's all public information, right? It's all online. So we can go look at it. And I had a coworker who, you know, he... He always would be like, man, such and such, you know, such and such making this, man, we ain't going to never get no money out of here, you know, <laughs> you know, but he was, he was saying the truth though, too, because, because you, you know, you can't make, um, make more than those who were more senior than you, right? You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's just not how it worked. So when I thought about that, plus the reality that what I was doing was not something that satisfied anything in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't as if I was doing something that was solving a problem. Like, you know, maybe working for, you know, a department and I feel like I'm actually being a benefit to the community in some specific way because of what I was actually taking care of. I didn't feel that way, right? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the ambition was was gone. You know, the money wasn't there, right? And then I also started seeing how because of the culture that was there, it was really a culture of just 
being lax, you know what I'm saying? Just relax, just comfortable, right? I started to see that kind of have an effect on me in general. And this person who had grew up with a thought process of doing so many different things, I started to see that affect other areas of my life. And I said, you know what? I can't stay in this environment too much longer either, right? And so I remember I called my mom and I told her like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, um, leaving and just jumping and just going full time and doing, you know, some, you know, just focus on what I really want to do, you know, and, and being a owning my own business and, and doing real estate, et cetera. And of course, my mom was just like, hey, whatever you decide to do, I'm with you. I support you. I'm behind you. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, hey, if if, if Mama Bird say you good, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's clear. The runway is clear. It's like, who else can tell me, you know what I mean? Like, don't make that move. Don't make that decision. And so at that point, I was like, yeah, I got to jump. You know what I mean? I'm either going I'm either gonna fly or crash, right? But at the end of the day, I would hate to be here till I'm 40, 45. Never try to do something when I know it's in my heart, and then I always look back and have regret. I would rather go jump, jump and make that decision, fail, right, and say I gave it my all though. And so I know that okay, that just wasn't what I where I was supposed to be focused. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to have a regret and not trying. And I and the last thing I say, I had a coworker that I talked to like right when I was already contemplating uh, about to leave, and he told me he said, you know, I left you know this job you know maybe like you know ten years ago or so, and I went you know moved to another state, et cetera, did this other job for two or three years, right? You know, I did it and, you know, I wriggled out, you know, it, it wasn't for me. And I came back and, and I've been here since, you know, and so and he was telling me this and I had not had a conversation with him about leaving or nothing. Right. He was just telling me like, hey, man, if you if you you know, if you want to try something else, this is always going to be here. That's that's basically kind of what he was saying. Right. And I was like, yeah, that was like kind of like solidified. It was time, you know, what I mean, for me to roll. And um, and even though when I first when I first got the job, I remember thinking in my mind, like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna be here like three to five years. I, I just, it was just something in my head that's like, yeah, I'm not gonna be here long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like five years is like my time. If I don't leave after five years, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stuck here or something like that, right? So, yeah. That's deep, man. I, obviously you didn't crash and burn. <laughs> nah, I didn't, I didn't crash, but you know, I, I did I did feel like the takeoff was a little rough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought I, thought I was crashing, you know what I'm saying? but I didn't crash. <laughs> yeah, most businesses fail by five years. Yes. You are you're you're at five year or you past the five year mark? Uh, I'm I'm past the five year mark now, um, and obviously I've I've went into different areas, right? Different industries too. So, um, yeah. like I'm doing real estate now. So with real estate, I haven't been. I'm only in. I'm in in my third year now, right? So. Um, but other areas and other businesses I've been working on and I've been doing that for a little longer. So, um, yeah. Oh man, look, we have a, a prime example of successful black business ownership. And so we're going to, we're going to have a discussion amongst ourselves. Um, we'll do that. I just wanted to, to kind of share some statistics with everybody. Um, because one of the questions we're going to talk about is should black people support solely Black businesses, and you know this question has come up more specifically in the last year or so, after a that has been happening at least publicly in the media with um, the treatment or the mistreatment of people. Um, we're not even just talking about you know the killing and the senseless uh, murders and arrests of, of black people. Even beyond that, we've seen like I remember one. Um, um, put out by um, H&M. I think it was last year, year before last, where they had a kid 
and on his shirt it said uh the the cutest monkey in the jungle or something like that calling him a monkey you know and and uh, was it dub that released a uh, just an insensitive ad about race and so all these you know different and various companies and, and people who have these major corporations um very clear how they feel about us but at the end of the day we still spend our money so i want to we want to talk a little bit about wealth and what that looks like in the back community because in order to be successful right in order to be to have a community that's strong we have to we have to invest in each other right and so we're going to talk about black ownership but also in the community so there's you know, a long um uh, statistic that's been going on for a long and, and honestly i've heard different numbers but i got this from Blackstarproject.org. They're working on creating, changing the narrative of how black people spend their money. So I'm just going to read a couple of things. The black America have about 1.3 trillion gross national income. This is just black people. So what that tells me is that power financially we have, right? But only 2% of that money, about 26 billion, right? That's 2% is recirculated in the black community. When we say recirculated, we're meaning that that money is given to other black businesses who in turn um, invest in black in black things. So black real estate or you know black other black businesses, black individuals, black communities, uh, or buying real estate in black communities, right? So they say here that a dollar circulates in the black community six hours before it leaves. We have the dollar for six hours and then it goes to another community. The white community, the closest the, the closest uh, community that our uh, time frame to us is 17 days. Black people, six hours. White people, 17 days. Jewish community, 20 days. And believe it or not, Asian community, 30 days. One month, they, the money stays within the community for 30 days. And so this actually, I think, have you guys heard this? Statistic before these statistics, I have yeah. <clears throat> no, I haven't. But yeah. go ahead. No, but I, I have I have a question, and um, like I I've always heard people say uh, like you know Brother Farrakhan and you know other people you know like him saying that you know segregation was the worst thing to happen in the black community. Because, I'm sorry, desegregation. Yeah. That's the worst thing that uh, ever happened because, you know, um, before desegregation, you know, black people were spending money with their with their own people. Like we had our own grocery stores, our own hotels, um, you know, our own uh, entertainment. And I was just thinking, like, you know, if things were like it was, you know, back then, like if everything was still, you know, segregated, can you imagine... Um, us having our own basketball league and you know and, and someone saying uh, like man you know what if our black players if our best black players played against you know you know uh, the NBA players which would be all white you know you know could we beat them you know and then someone you know I, I can imagine you know they're like okay well I think the white players you know uh, can actually beat the black players and, you know, and they set up this tournament and then, you know, LeBron and, you know, Kobe and Kevin Durant just smoke, 
you know, just all the white players that's basically coming out of college because, you know, you don't really see them in the NBA. Um, and and then everyone is looking at, you know, the black league, like, man, that's really the dominant league. And then they just take over and they're, they're the multi-billion dollar company, you know, that's, that's being displayed because everybody's watching them because they're really the best. You know, I, I'm just thinking like how much better, you know, it, it would be if things were, you know, like it was, you know, except with, you know, beside all, all the, uh, you know, the social justice issues that's going on. I mean, I, I, I don't want it to go that way, but I, I just think it would be, it would have been so much better or the black community would be so much better because, you know, there'd be so much more ownership, you know, within our community. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had this conversation um, a couple of times. I think I'm, in some ways I, I agree, in some ways I'm torn. Um, because, yeah, I feel like integration, the idea of integration, a lot of people thought was going to fix the issues for black people. Um, but in so many ways, uh, it seems as if it made it worse, at least from my perspective. Of course, I didn't live, I didn't live in a time pre, pre-integration. Uh, so I can't, I can't imagine, you know, exactly how that was like, and, you know, we, we dislike the, the, the mistreatment. So we talk about not being able to, to get a loans or being um, um, forced to have like ridiculous guidelines before you are able to even apply. And, and a lot of these, you can't do it. Um, voter ID laws, we're talking about, um, not just segregation wasn't just that blacks didn't go to white schools. It was that education was, was inferior. Um, you know, home housing. So you couldn't buy a loan to you couldn't get a loan to buy a home, but you also didn't have many options of places that to live that were, um, you know, nice. And so there's just a lot of problems that came with segregation. Um, but I feel like kind of what you're saying when with integration, there's some of those same problems still exist. Uh, in some ways, um, they've become worse because but I think that happened just because the system morphed. After integration was allowed, Civil Rights Act was passed and, you know, um, allowing for, uh, quote unquote, equal treatment under the law. Uh, a lot of things changed and morphed to continue to keep um, black people, people of color at a disadvantage. But, um, but yeah, the, I think the, and Lionel, did you want to weigh in before I- Yeah, I, yeah, I want to, uh, I did. Um, I think one, there's this great book by William Roden um, called $50 Million Slaves. If nobody has read that, uh-uh. I definitely think you should pick it up and read it. It's kind of having that discussion about kind of what Justin was bringing in, especially when they talk about athletic sports, et cetera, um, you know, touches on HBCUs, touches on um, the Negro Leagues, which is where I want to make the comment that we have seen what that would be, right? But And we have to think in America, Right. If you kind of look at the American landscape and step back, you realize entertainment is 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 like the the money hub in America, if you want to be honest. Right. And one of the biggest forms of entertainment in America is sports and sporting events. Right. Because you got to think about how many different legs or arms are connected from a money perspective with sporting events. Right. It's not just the sporting event itself. Right. It's all of these tentacles that come out where money is being made. It revolved around sports, which is why you see cities 
pulling tax dollars from their communities, right? And resources to keep teams or to bring teams there. Because there's a lot of money to be made from sports. And that's what you saw with the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues went around just like the major leagues was going around, right? And when they went to black communities, it was like a it was like an event. It was a party, right? You know what I'm saying? Think about HBCUs, you know, back in the day, a self-baseball, right? You know what I'm saying? And so there was a lot of money being made, not just from the sporting teams, but also from the vendors, et cetera, right? Those communities had a lot of funds being circulated like we talk about in the community because of uh because of that right and and so now when you kind of fast forward to now this time i and i hear this a lot but i i I think this is the way it, it really should be phrased right because i do think some people say you know desegregation but i think what they really are meaning to say right is integration was the worst thing that happened to black people it wasn't desegregation what what we wanted was desegregation right yeah. what we received was integration so mm-hmm. what we, we what we wanted was to be able to go sit down at lunch counters with white counterparts be able to go eat at this restaurant if we wanted to right what we didn't want was for our restaurant to be closed down and we only be allowed to eat at the white restaurant what, what we wanted is that I can choose to go to school on the other side of town, not for my school to be closed down and everybody has to be bused to the other side of town. See, that's what happened, right? What we wanted and what happened was two different things. You see what I'm saying? And so, yes, you did see a lot of the black institutions that have been built up by, because of need, right, actually be stripped away because of how the government set up the programs or because of how they decided to integrate, right, or how to... You know what I'm saying? Um, you never saw them take white some white kids from this side of town door and bust them to the black school. You know what I'm saying? Right? That didn't happen. You know what I mean? It was the blacks going to the other side of town and their school was was tore down. You know what I'm saying? So um integration is what really messed us up. We need we wanted desegregation, but what we received was integration. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, good point. I think that's a good point. But I so I think we have to just unpack some of this, right? Because and, and we're gonna, we're gonna, this is gonna lead us to our main, you know, point. But we have to unpack some of this because there are a lot of factors that contribute to the issues that the black community uh, experiences and sees. Um, and I actually had this conversation with uh, uh, somebody recently who's who's you know black, and uh, they just the questions they were asking was uh, they they thought that black people need to own up to more of their issues more of the problems that we have as a community and, and, and I I made a comment and I said well there are definitely areas that we, we need to address like I, I can't sit back and say that um, the absent father issue or the the drug problem um, whether that be um, use or um, drug um, selling um, is something that we don't have to address you know, um, it is. But I, my comment was most of the societal, financial, um, even a lot of ways, mental and problems that we experience in the black community is a literal byproduct of white supremacy and racism, um, majority. And, 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 and we just see that it's, it's, it's a, factual right but not to go too much in the end a couple of more statistics right that this is um actually found um from 
a website called Black in America, and they're talking a, a little bit more about the the wealth or the lack thereof in the Black community. And they're, they're referencing a, um, a report, and it says that Black folks um, spend a lot of money on beauty and grooming products, selling up, shelling out about $573 million on an annual base, basis for personal soap and bath needs. That's 19% higher than any other demographic. We spend $500 million just on personal soap and bath needs, right? And black consumers also spend their money at high-end department stores with 63% of black folks saying in a survey that they buy from Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I've never in my life. 45% at Neiman Marcus and 24% at Bloomingdale's. And so, you know, this is the whole idea. Wealth is created, part of wealth is created is by living below your means. Um, you can't become rich just by living below your means because there are a lot of people who are poor and they're rich, but that's that's still a big a big part of it. Um, more than fifty, more than half, sorry, fifty-two percent of African Americans find in-store shopping relaxing compared with twenty-six percent of the total population. So we spend a lot, which is why we have such a high buying power. The problem is, we said we the money isn't recirculated; it doesn't recirculate in our community, and it goes out. So this. And, and, and I'm, I think a lot of that has to do as well with just like the idea of where people think uh, things are going to. For example, Jordans. Uh, when growing up, Jordan was a, a big brand, you know, and you you were cool if you had Jordans. You didn't have Jordans or, you know, Nike or, you know, something from that that kind of a, um, that um, brand, then, you know, you were outcast or you got picked on, whatever the case may be. But I mean, more money goes to Jordan to Nike than it does Jordan for that brand. You can say, oh, it's, it, he doesn't own, he doesn't own it. He gets he gets money from it, but he doesn't own it. You know, uh, we spend money there. We spend money on, on all these expensive clothing. Uh, we spend money on cars and, and, and rims and all these different things. And I don't necessarily think it's anything directly wrong with spending money. Like if you if you Justin said. Hey, I'm going to treat myself. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong if you're budgeting and doing everything right. I think what we need to be able to do, and this is where the conversation comes in, is have is direct that money to, to Black-owned businesses, right? So let's say that Jordan was uh, 100% Black-owned. That would be one conversation. But, but what about, like, uh, um, who is it? Stefan? Was it Stefan Marbury who had the shoes? Yeah. He had the shoes, and he's like, I'm doing this from the kids from the hood. And they got clowned. But that was that was an honorable thing to do, you know what I mean? Or or um, people don't like him, uh, Levar Ball. What he did, first of all, those shoes were too expensive. But just the idea, right? Just the idea of this man saying, "I'm creating something that's black for that you know represent my kids will represent and for the community." And you know that is just I feel like think the idea of it is a phenomenal thing to do. So my question is. Uh, well, we see how the black community has a lot of buying power. So it's not that we're necessarily poor. It's we, we direct our money in the wrong place. Is it necessary for the black community to spend 100% on black businesses in order to get out of the, the, the narrative that, you know, we don't circulate money within ourselves? Well, well, well I, I want to go back to the, uh, the Stefan Marbury point. Um, I, I, I think the reason why people was clowning you know, Stefan Marbury is because of, uh, of the price, you know, and not so much 
as, as you know, the player he was. I mean, I, I do think it was noble of him, you know, trying to make cheap shoes, you know. But but just think about it. When he did that, it, it wasn't like he was like Kobe Bryant status, you know, at the time when, you know, he wanted to come out with his own shoes and, you know, charge it, you know, um, a, a cheaper price so kids can afford them. You know, I think it would have been much better if somebody on that uh, status level, you know, would have came out and said, you know what, like someone who's a big superstar, you know, um, and who came out and said, I want to make cheaper shoes for guys in the hood. And and another thing, uh, the reason why I think LeVar Ball was so successful, you know, especially at least his first year, um, not, not because of, his his son not being a superstar but because of the price i mean the price tag was so ridiculous i mean people you know you know people equate you know expensive things to you know nice things you know and because it was so expensive um you know a lot of people bought them because you know a lot of people like to brag that like man i got these 400 tennis shoes you know and, and, and you don't yeah so i mean i think um uh, you know, Stefan Marbury probably would have been more successful, you know, if those shoes would have cost four hundred dollars. Now I don't think anybody would have bought them, but you know, who knows? But it, but don't you still think that's like a weird concept? Like Stefan Marbury wasn't uh Kobe or Jordan, but he was still very popular. Yeah, he was a, he was a he was it was it wasn't like he wasn't in his prime when yeah you know, when he was making these decisions, right? You know what I'm saying? He was still um he was still, you know, in the NBA when he was making the decision to um, come out with the shoe line and do it in a different way, right? One, again, owning his own company, but then also um, going straight to consumer and making it at a price that was affordable for so many people, right? You know, um, and I think like Justin say, right, is also a thing of status, right? That a lot of, you know, a lot of people in general, right? Not just black people, but people in general, right? Are tied to, right? So if it's a certain line, if a certain brand, et cetera, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay this, right? Because of this, which at the end of the day, right? To me, and this is a whole, this is a whole different conversation, but I have an issue in general because it's almost the same thing with schools, right? And, and this is a conversation I have with people about HBCUs versus other schools the schools get their prestige from the people who write the articles, who, um, who do the research, et cetera. Right. And so if, if you had Howard or Oakwood or Preview, whatever, um, start to have the same research, right. Type of great research because of the people, which is the main right source which is the, you know, the, the main factor, right? You know what I mean? You got different type of resources, right? You got, you know, financial resources, et cetera, but the people is the main resource, right? If those people with that knowledge are there and say somebody from Oakwood, you know, is the one who came up with the, the, the vaccine, for example, right? You know what I'm saying? For coronavirus, that's attaching to that school now, right? That's what happens. You see what I'm saying? And so now if this other person does this, another person brings this, now that School, the prestige of that school, right, is growing because of the research that's being done there, because of the information, the articles, the the research, the books, the et cetera, that's being produced there, right? You know what I'm saying? And so to me, it's the same thing when it comes to brands, clothing lines, et cetera, right? First of all, we Black people make so much stuff what it is. 
You see what I'm saying? And so if we put our same energy behind, say, Starberry or like Jay-Z when he came out with with Tidal, right? Mm -hmm. Tidal can be Apple Music. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Why can't Tidal rival Apple Music? The truth is it could. It could always do that. It depended on the support of the people, though, right? You know what I'm saying? And so Jay-Z was smart to do what he did, right? Because that's the reality. And the same thing could be said for Starberry or any other, you know, Lonzo Ball and them. If they actually did, if he made a shoe that was comparable in the first place, right? You got to do that, right? But if his shoe was comparable, his shoe line could have rivaled any uh, uh, Nike or Under Armour, et cetera. Now, I mean, they got such a big, Nike has just the lion's share of the, you know, yeah. pool when it comes to, you know, sports. But what I'm saying is, could they not make a dent and say, if people put support behind it? Of course they could. It, it, it has nothing to do with that they're a startup. It has nothing to do with, oh, this is Lonzo Ball, Ball Big Baller Branch. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who do we put our support behind? Because if we put our support behind that, if the people start seeing the streets, so this is what they leaning toward, right? They leaning toward Big Baller Brand all throughout New York, all in Houston, all in California. First of all, all the rappers going to start talking about Big Baller Brand then that's going to be put out. Now you got other people in other communities who now want to want to rock big ball. Of black. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's just how it works. Right. So I think we don't give ourselves enough credit in the first place. Cause we're, I feel like we're the most in, in this time frame. I'm like, especially when it comes to style, when it comes to music, when it comes to these arts, like we're one of the most bit off communities, you know what I'm saying? Like people are, I mean, how many places you go to and hip hop music is used in songs, using advertising, you know what I'm saying? From Japan to, you know what I'm saying? To New Zealand, all the way to UK, all the way to America, all the way down to South America. Yeah. Everywhere. Definitely the most influential music genre, period. So, I mean, to me, I feel like if we put our stamp of approval behind stuff, if Black Twitter gets behind it, every, you know what I'm saying? It can have the support and it could, it could be bigger, right? But we have to change our mindset. And I guess that's what it goes to, right? It goes to a mindset change, a thought process change, right? And it, it, we have to get out of a mindset of consumerism and move to ownership. And that doesn't make all consum- consumerism bad, right? It doesn't mean make consuming bad in general because in, any business, any industry needs consumers, right? You know what I'm saying? We're all consumers in some way, form or fashion, of course, right? Talking about supporting business and black business, et cetera. That's, you know what I'm saying? That's consumerism. You see what I'm yeah. saying, right? But I also think we just need to change our mind as far as what we produce or what we do can't can't rival, you see what I'm saying, or can't measure up with something that's there or that is seemingly established. Why can't it? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course it can. You yeah. I mean? Good points. Good point. So the question is, do we have to, in, in order to grow as a community, is it necessary for us to buy 100% Black? Or, and... If you, whether you, no matter your answer, and both of you, I would like both of you to answer. Is it possible? Is it possible? Um, but is it? Is it? Sorry, is it necessary? And is it possible? Is it possible for us to, to buy one hundred percent black? No, well, I guess I go first. Is, is it necessary? Is it possible? I think it is. Is definitely possible, right? But that's something that ha- you you have to have infrastructure for that right and so you're talking about uh, uh infrastructure that would take years to put in place in order to make it a possibility so it's not that it can't happen you know what i'm saying but 
the infrastructure will have to be there in order for that to happen, right? You know what I'm saying? So you would have to have a concerted goal and effort for from all of us, right? Over, you know, uh, 30 to 50 years time span. You talk about maybe two generation time span, right? You know what I'm saying? In order to make that happen, right? You know what I mean? But is it necessary to buy 100% back? I would say no, because I don't think you need to buy 100%, because 100% is like, everything you see what i'm saying right but do i think it's necessary to to buy majority black yes yeah. you know what i'm saying I, yeah. I i can't put a stamp and say 100 percent, but could i say like yeah we need to 75 percent, you know 63 percent, right you know what i'm saying like i think the majority needs to be black and i think it really comes down to just essentially being intentional that number could be low that number could really mean 40 percent. you know what i'm saying i th- you know once we boil it down and start to see the results it may not need to even be that high right but what it does need to be is we need to be intentional about buying black right we need to be intentional to say the the restaurants we support right we all go out to eat right why aren't why don't we seek out those restaurants that are black owned though you know what i'm saying yeah. right to give them patronage you know what i mean because yeah. the same money that we're using is going to somebody, but how is that money and that funds turning around then and benefiting our community? And that's the mindset we have to be thinking. There are a lot of black businesses in different towns and different cities all over America who they use their funds to help the community. You yeah. know what I'm saying? To benefit the community. You already know without a shadow of a doubt that the majority, especially local businesses, a lot of these local businesses that ain't black owned definitely ain't supporting black people. You know what I'm saying? In a black community. You see what I'm saying, right? You know what I mean? And then a lot of these big businesses are definitely not supporting the black community. They may do some supposed charity work to make it seem that way. But you know, the reality is by the time it trickles all the way down, there's nothing, you know what I'm saying? It has evaporated, right? You know what I'm saying? And so it's really not helping the community. So to me, we have to be intentional. There's many industries right now that we could already be supporting black businesses in already, period, point blank, right? That we don't even have to recreate anything for example i'm like i'm a realtor for example right we can you can we can be intentional and say i'm going to choose a black realtor that don't mean you got to work with me per se you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying of course i would love if you work with me you know what i'm saying you can call me at 318 now you know what i mean but but that doesn't mean you have to right because there's so many great realtors right out here who you could work with though you see what i'm saying but that's a specific choice to say i'm going to help i'm going to work with a black realtor specifically though you see what I'm saying? Um, as people who are doing work, right? Say we renovating, you know what I mean? I'm going to choose a black company or somebody who I know has this skill who's black and say, hey, I seen you do this before. You have done this, for example, for um, for another company. Like I have a, I, we all have a, a, a friend who we know has done interior design, who has set up, you know, businesses, right? Who have done, who've done those things, right? And so my thing is when I get to that point where I'm starting to uh, need that service, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to pay you for the, why would I go and pay somebody else for a service? Another business, another company, not only are they not black owned, I don't even know them. They're not even friend, right? So that's two, that's two things, right? That ain't my friend, one. And then two, they're not black. You know what I'm saying? I can kill those two birds with one song and say, hey, I know you have this skill. I'll pay you for this, right? Maybe she don't want to start a business, but you know what? I might as well give my money to somebody, right? who I know what they're doing with the money. I know that they can use the money. I'm helping another black family, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's the same thing as we look in so many different areas. The thing is, we don't need, I, I think in general, our mind is even, is even on it, if you want to be honest. You know what I'm saying? Our mind is only on it 
like this year when a lot of stuff is happening. You see what I'm saying? But our mind isn't 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 trained. And I think this is it is a detriment to our community because I think as a Jewish person, for example, you're trained to think about your Jewishness. You're trained to think about the support of your community. You know what I'm saying, right? It, it, how do I support my people? And that's not a bad thing. That's a to me, that's an honorable thing. That's a great thing. That's a well thought about thing, right? Because it's just like a man who isn't thinking about what benefits his family. Like, how can you be a man and you're not thinking about what you can do and set up for your wife or then for your kids, right? Etc. That don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? But that extends to not just your immediate family, but then to say your extended family, right? What about your parents or your wife's parents, right? Or your, or your sisters or brothers or your cousins, et cetera, right? Should you not also think about maybe doing things and setting up things so you also can benefit the family in general? Yeah. And what's the next step after that? The next step after that ain't somebody around the corner. You see what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The next step after that is your community. You know what I'm saying, right? That's the next step, right? Up. So to me, it, of course, it makes sense for us to be thinking about that. But I think in general, in a whole black people, we not we don't think like that. We don't think about, Black community, we don't think like, okay, can I find a black soap maker? You see what I'm saying? And, and let me support them. Again, do they do they need to have quality? Of course. Do their prices need to be in your range? Of course, right? Like if you if you can afford $100 soap and you got a black company that's making $100 soap and then a white company making $100 soap, then yeah, why, why don't you go with the black company, especially if it actually is for, because a lot of stuff even, that's a, here's a whole other topic, but a lot of stuff ain't even made for us, right? That's the benefit too. You know what I'm saying? Is they making soap for us, for their skin, right? But then the other thing is, okay, if you find a black company and they making $75 soap, and the other company make hundred dollar soap, and you can buy hundred dollar soap, and that seventy five dollar soap ain't really the quality you need it to be. Then that's okay. Then yeah, you can buy the hundred dollar soap. That's not a problem. You see what I'm saying, right? But the thing is, you got to be cognizant of at least looking for that service somewhere, though, right? And and I feel like eight out of ten times, you we can find the service somewhere in the black community, right? In the black diaspora. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was a I long answer. <laughs> Justin, you want to add to that? Well, well yeah, I, I did kind of, but you know, you know, Lionel kind of took a lot of my thunder. But uh, you know, I, I'll just say in short, you know, um, I, I think it would be almost, you know, impossible because, and, and I hate to say this, and you guys might disagree with me, but I just think, you know, you know, the black community can be a little selfish you know, than other communities. Break that down before I uh, hand you yourself. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I think, I remember I heard someone say that if Dr. King was alive today, he wouldn't be able to accomplish half of what he did, you know, when he was alive. You know, because, you know, think, think about the sacrifice, you Stop. know, um, Think about the sacrifices that the people made, you know, when, when he was alive, you know, and, you know, what they did, the, the struggles, like, these people refused, you know, to ride the bus for over 365 days, you know, they, they would have, they would walk, they would take off their shoes, you know, and walk for miles to get to certain places, and some people would carpool with people they didn't even know. I mean, do you think black people today, you know, would would boycott, you know, and to you know to come together, 
you know, say for instance, you know, um, oh. you know, if, if if the busing system was like how it was, was it, well, probably they probably would do it if, if the bus system was like how it was today. But you know, I I don't I don't see the black community you know coming together, you know, uh, in full like how or as strong as how they did back then. I I, I agree with you, and, and let me tell you why. You can disagree with me. Yeah, I disagree with you. Absolutely. And I disagree with you for this fact alone. It wasn't that just people at that time were just stronger, better people. I don't believe that. They had great leadership. We under we're taking away the credit. Well, that's another reason we don't have the leadership. Let me let me finish. We take we're we're taking away the credit that the organizers the various forms of civil rights movement because it wasn't Dr. King wasn't the only civil rights civil rights activist. There were multiple, but specifically his team, right? We're taking away the organization, the time, the detail that they put into to making things like the bus boycott possible, the march to Selma, right? Uh, the 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 Million Man March, the so many different things, the, 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 protest, the protest for uh, workers' rights, like all the different factors that his team put in place, they had a great, not just great organization, but great leadership. You said if Dr. King was here today, he couldn't do what he did. Absolutely he could. He was a great leader. And, and it's not, and, and, and to Lionel's point as well, Lionel said that it would take a lot of organization and a lot of coming together. That's what it means, that's what it takes. Because here's the, here's the thing, I believe, and, and, and this is really how I feel. I feel like, for example, you guys are, are really good guys. I believe that you guys are for, for, for justice and, and for, for treating people right. And you guys are also believers in God's word. And God's word literally says, seek justice and do mercy. So you guys are example of men and women who will stand up for right, right? There are literally, this year, last year, hundreds or thousands of people marching and walking in the street. Those people, guess what? Were shot with rubber, rubber bullets, right? These people were attacked too, tear gas. So it's not, I don't think that the human race or the black community has lost its empathy or the black community has lost its, its desire to stand up for themselves. Uh, I just think the problem is organization. So I, I disagree with you there. But you also said uh, you said that you didn't think that uh, you said the black people were selfish. Explain that to me. Well, first of all, I, th I thought I made it clear. I mean, they're, they're selfish because, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, they care too much, you know, about black empowerment, you know, and saying like, hey, you know, I don't think you, you can run into you know, too many people or the majority of black people who feel like, man, we need to, you know, have our own in our own community and we need to buy in like, you know, from our people and support each other. Yeah. I, so I get, I get what you're saying now. Uh, thank you for making that clarifying that because I thought you were saying something else. Yeah, I, I, I still disagree. I think, I think again, it, it, it comes from, it comes from the point of just, of, of leadership and education. Are we not educated enough? Probably. That we're definitely, like for example, I'm reading now the book, The New Jim Crow. I was not educated enough on mass incarceration. I knew about it, 
but I knew about it on a surface level. I'm already three chapters in. First of all, it's a very long book, but it's good stuff. I'm already three chapters in, and my mind has opened up to uh, to not just mass incarceration, but the hatred that the powers that be have for black people. Complete and total hatred and the manipulation they they for centuries that white people have done towards um, poor working class whites. They don't care about them either. So it's really the powerful people, right? They don't care about black people, but they, they don't care about poor working class. They just want to pit the poor working class against black people. And we're seeing that today with Trump did with black people and the poor working class. So, but it's education. I had to be educated, but guess what? Now that I'm becoming educated, now I could become, and as I continue to be educated, a more, a more effective proponent, um, proponent for uh, mass incarceration or opponent of mass incarceration and helping black people veer from that direction or to come from the slums from where they were placed and kept. So I think that the problem isn't necessarily that we're too selfish. It's just uh, not, we're not educated enough and there's not great leadership. So, but that's where you and I come into play, right? You're not, you're, you're, I, I guess you would believe you're not a selfish person and you would do it. So now you have to, Educate yourself if you're not, or if you're educated, educate someone else and lead them. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think that's the problem. I think that we have to get to the place where we, as a black community, uh, those of us who are educated educate other people, and those of us who, who are educated lead. And I think once we come together, like Ramos said, we absolutely have to come together in order to create change. We, if, if we're not together. We will never amount, we'll never see success. Like, let me let me let me end off with this. I know we're running out of time. I'm gonna end off with this. There are groups of people, right? One group of people we didn't mention were Nigerians, right? Nigerian women are the most educated women in, in America, right? Nigerians are very they come together, right? And and I don't know what what it's like in Nigeria, so I'm not gonna speak to that. But I have I have friends that are Nigerians, and Nigerians you could be a Nigerian in, in Florida and Nigerian in California, and you guys know each other. Not just because you're both from Nigeria per se, it's because they have all the, they have these conferences. It's crazy. Like, where they come together a couple times a year, you know, of course, COVID is not happening. But I remember a friend telling me about how they have a few times a year. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember if it's like they're, they're, they're separated by tribes, but I know for sure they come together a few times a year. And they, and they say that they work together. Another group of people, and we mentioned them, Asians from, from different you know, countries that literally will come together, put their money together, create a business, and they multiply. They, they do this intentionally, and they'll all the time live below their means until they're able to do it. And you'll never know, you'll never know that these people are wealthy beyond wealthy because they live more on their means. They're all living in the building that they own the restaurant. And they keep and they keep it that way, and they and they'll create generational wealth, right? Jews do this in New York. Jews run the show. They are rich, but guess what? They have a community. They live together. They 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 their money stays within each other. So my point is, like Lana said, we have to come together, and we have to be able to do this. And I, for one, I'm trying to be be part of the solution of creating that in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm saying this, and then we're closing. Tulsa, Oklahoma did it. In Tulsa, Oklahoma and Greenwood, they did it. They literally, and, and, and they created a mecca for black people in that town. Banks, businesses, uh, circulating money within themselves, uh, just literally a wealthy community, Black Wall Street it's called. And I think it's very much possible, not, not just to do that today, but to multiply that 
over and over again. But we got to come together. Yeah. And um, just before we close, I was just going to say two things, too, when it, about leadership. One, we can't forget, right? We really can't forget that it was only, what, 60 years ago that many of our leaders, right, were, were killed. Yeah. Those who were literally leaders of the movement in various different ways were killed off. And you got to think what type of wisdom more years of them leading would have brought to them. What type of wisdom could they have passed down to those who would have came under them, who would have carried the torch and where could the community be then based on that leadership that was lost. Right. So that's something we have to remember anytime we talk about black leadership. Another thing I want to say is there is still black leadership now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. When you talk about somebody like Stacey Abrams, who not, not not just simply from a standpoint of thinking, just from a political standpoint, right? But let's look at it from a standpoint of she is seeking to help those who are being marginalized when it comes to voting rights in Georgia and in other places, right? That's leadership. That's what that called because the, this is the thing, right? We We don't think about leadership until it grows to a certain point, right? But there were a lot of other people who are leading places all around this country that's not named Martin Luther King Jr. You see what I'm saying? That may be recognized locally, but yet on a national scale, they're not recognized. And in the same way, there are people all over the country who are, who are doing work, right, in various different communities. Before Trayvon Martin, before Alton Sterling, before Breonna Taylor, before there were people in these different communities all over who have been dealing with police brutality and injustice, et cetera, right? And it gets highlighted, right? You know what I'm saying? It gets highlighted at these certain points of height when heightened tension, et cetera, right? But they are already leaders. They were already doing work in the community. And the reality is that's the sign of true leadership in the first place. A yeah. leader doesn't go and seek to be some, this thing. You see what I'm saying, right? A leader leads because that it's a need there, right? You know what I mean? And so that's the test for us then because we need leaders not just from a national scale. We need leaders, one, in our own homes. So our, we're the fathers, we're the mothers, Right. That's leading. Where the oldest oldest sons, where the oldest daughters who are taking a leadership position, right? Where those in the community, right, who are leading to do whatever the thing is, the thing that they think is so small, just leading a, a drive to clean up the community every week that they think is so small. You never know in, in 30 years that thing you turn around and next thing you know, that person is in some other position that has the ability to do something greater now because of what they do. We're Again, we're all scripture based. The Bible literally says, and I always go back to this scripture, he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. True leadership is going to show up not just on a on this big thing. True leadership is going to show up in those things that we think are insignificant. We might not even recognize it as leadership, but it's actually what it is. It's leadership. Good point. And that's all we have for for this evening. This is actually a good conversation, and I think we, we need to continue it. We need to, to come to some to conclusion and some resolution. Um, so we may do a part two to this. Uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know. But yeah, we, we appreciate you guys listening with us. Um, please continue to follow us on social media. Um, our point of view, uh, sorry, OPV underscore the podcast on Instagram. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions, if you have any ideas of, of topics we should talk about, or maybe maybe you have a, a guest that you, you want to uh, want us to interview, please feel free to, to go ahead and, and uh, comment and, and give us, send us those uh, suggestions. Yeah, man. I want to thank you guys again for joining us. 
Again, if you um, follow us on IG, it is OPV underscore, sorry, not under slash, underscore the podcast is OPV under, uh, under, uh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Underscore. Underscore the podcast, right, on IG. And if you're not uh, following us on Patreon, please do. Uh, we got some exciting things behind the scenes stuff we want to share out to you guys, especially this new year, 2021. A lot of things promising, a lot of things coming up. Um, so again, thank you guys. Uh, tune in next time. We out. Peace.